0: Welcome to Devotionables, Brief Devotions for Busy People. My name is Derek Riley, and I'm a teacher for one of our intermediate couples BFGs here at 9th and 0. We're IC6, and we meet in the second hour, but at least once a month during the 9 o'clock hour, you'll find me in a different classroom. On those days, my wife Brittany, my daughter Eleanor, and I help out in the green room, teaching BFG for 3- three- and 4-year-olds. And just a couple weeks ago, we were in the green room, hanging out with our friends there, and I was reading the Bible story to them and we actually were reading about this passage that we've come to in our F260 reading plan. It's in 1 Kings 3, the story of Solomon. We've turned the page and we've moved past the life and rule of David, and now his son is king of God's people in Israel. But compared to David, Solomon was a young, inexperienced ruler. He didn't have the kind of military strength or political capital that his father did. And so, as we learned in the green room, Solomon asks the Lord for help, for wisdom, to rule his people. That lesson in the green room was a little simplified, though. In 1 Kings 3, we get a very different picture, one that's not as straightforward. You see, in verse 1, Solomon makes his first attempt to bolster his rule, to solidify his kingship, and he makes an alliance with Egypt. So Solomon assures protection and trade and a good relationship with one of the great world powers of the day. And according to the customs of his time, that alliance is established by Solomon marrying the Pharaoh's daughter. It's a shrewd political move, but it's terrible disobedience for God's king. You see, in Deuteronomy 17, the Lord had instructed the people about how the kings were supposed to live and rule. And by marrying Pharaoh's daughter, Solomon broke two different instructions there. The kings weren't to amass many wives for themselves, and... They were told to never go back to Egypt for military might or protection. The Lord even told them, you shall never return that way again. God had delivered them from Egypt, they were supposed to just leave it behind. But that wasn't the only unfaithfulness that we saw in Solomon's rule. Verse 2 tells us that the people, including Solomon himself, were worshiping in the high places. These were places on hilltops and on mountaintops where the Canaanites built altars, and they used them to offer sacrifices to their idols. Now, it was unambiguously clear that God did not want his people using these altars. Deuteronomy 12 instructed them to smash and destroy these altars in the high places. In fact, it even says, You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. But it's in this context, after offering a thousand burnt offerings on an altar in the high place, that Solomon hears a word from the Lord. The Lord appears to the young king in a dream and gives him an open-ended offer to ask for anything. And Solomon pleases the Lord. He doesn't ask selfishly for power or wealth or a long life or anything like that. Solomon, in a moment of humility, recognizes that he's a weak king and he needs God's help but he doesn't even know how to do the things that the king is supposed to do or act like the king is supposed to act. So he asks the Lord for wisdom and for discernment to rule. And God is pleased with him and gives him that and much, much more. Now in the green room, we spent all of our time talking about that wisdom and where we see it in scripture and the Proverbs and other books that Solomon wrote. But we'll get to those later in the reading plan. Right now, I just want to leave you with two quick observations. You see, Solomon was wise, and he was highly honored, and he was a great king. But his disobedience didn't suddenly stop when he spoke with the Lord. He continued to take many wives and make many alliances. He continued to offer sacrifices on pagan altars, even to false idols. This wisdom didn't solve everything for Solomon, because the picture of Solomon that we see in scripture is of a man constantly torn between his desires. Even despite that, though, God was faithful in Solomon's life. Solomon didn't always want to do what was right from this point on, but God did turn him back. So by the time we're done in this passage, God has taken Solomon from the high place back to Jerusalem. And Solomon comes before the ark of the Lord, and he offers a sacrifice there. And there in Jerusalem before the ark, Solomon would build the temple for all of God's people to come and worship the Lord. But what about us? What about those of us who feel more like young King Solomon, who want to do what's right, but we don't always have the discernment to do it? Well, we can turn to the book of James. And there in James 1, we're told that Solomon isn't the only one who can ask the Lord for wisdom. James tells us not to wait for the Lord to speak to us in a dream or wait for a place of crisis where we desperately need it. He simply says that if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But notice the caveat, the qualification that James adds. He instructs us, to ask in faith. Because the one who doesn't act in faith is double-minded like Solomon, unstable in all of his ways. He's torn between his desires. But what's the antidote? To be more wise, to be more godly, to be a greater man, to be more righteous, to be more, more, more? No, James's solution is wonderful and simple. Be bold and ask the Lord for wisdom, but ask in faith.